Hi, and welcome to episode 13 of the Trash Talk podcast. This is your host, Recycle Michael, here again to talk trash. And today we have a, a very special guest, Michelle Fox, an event producer based in New York City and Los Angeles. She's uh, bi-coastal. And uh, as a grassroots environmental activist, Michelle managed her passion for people on the planet with event planning by championing sustainable event management. Um, she is quite the cheerleader of this industry. Uh, Michelle founded Muse, which is the Members United for Sustainable Events in 2021. So very productive during the pandemic. Muse is a uh, member organization providing the event industry in the USA with inspiration, education, and community to increase the positive impact of our events. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you, Michael. Uh, yeah, it's great to have you. And uh, we got to meet and, and talk a little bit last year about the uh, inception of this new organization, which is quite exciting to me. You've been able to put together a, a bunch of uh, event specialists that do green events. I see on uh, the Muse website that there are dozens of, of members now at this point, and uh, they span the, the range from you know event greeners like myself to uh, sustainable power people for events. You have composters, you have uh, other event planners, uh, water people. You got a really great collection of folks here. And then uh, even more that um, we can talk about. Yeah, I think you're it. referring to the the vendor directory. I was not. I was actually just looking at the member directory. The sustainable mm -hmm. vendor directory looks like you have many, many more um, people involved there. It looks like maybe hundreds of vendors that could uh, support events. Yeah. As of right now, I have uh, 450 sustainable vendors in that database. What an amazing resource. Yeah. And you can filter by category and location. So if you are in, let's say you want to do event greening and you filter for California, your organization will come up. Oh, that's very cool. I haven't tried the search function yet, but I see that yeah. there are tags. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually surprised at how many composters were in New York. Compost is big in New York. Um, we have a whole curbside compost thing. Um, in 2012, I think it was, it might've been 2011 or 2010, but I'm walking to work. And I see there's the New York City has provided someone on the corner right when I get out of the subway where I can drop off my compost. And I was like, yeah. And I was like, seriously? So then for a while, I would bring my compost on my way to work, get off the subway and drop it off. And then they kept expanding. And, and they have the, we use a brown bin in New York for our organic waste and they did an amazing job. So at every farmer's market, uh, you can drop off your compost. Um, nice. Lots of community gardens, plus the city many times will give you one of these brown bins and they'll pick it up right where you live or at your apartment. So during COVID, this went down a little bit, but New York City is really good with compost. Oh, that's great to hear. I <laughs> always had this impression of, uh, you know, New York just piling up bags of trash on the sidewalk and then getting it picked up. 
So it's, it's great to hear that now that uh, it's contained and uh, organics are being diverted. But it looks like there are also some unconventional compost collection programs in your member directory here. Uh, there was some bike powered compost collectors. Even. Yeah, there's BK Rot, and there's another one. I can't think of the name, but literally, yeah, they will bike and pick up your compost. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we're working right now on a, a cart, a bike trailer that can be used at our events because, uh, you know, things are spread out. There's a lot of walking, pushing carts and trailers. And we're like, oh, we can use a bike cart for this. Awesome. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's um, contributing to, you know, our, our fitness too of our employees, right? Seriously. One of the things I love about working at events is the fitness aspect. I do not like going to the gym and I love running around, lifting things, moving around. So yeah, if you can incorporate bikes, you're, you're helping out your employees with right. free, free exercise. That's right. I, I'm the same way, you know, I love the physical activity of the job and, uh, you know, move in and groove in along with the event and the activities going on. So, um, you know, you're in good company there. Yeah. Uh, what else do you have going on here in, in this member directory? You have, um, I think there's more than 25 categories. Yeah. There's quite a bit. Let's see. Can I, uh, look at these yeah. tags? Yeah. Okay. So you have carbon credits, you have carpet and flooring, cleaning supplies, dishwashing services, over 100 composters, event material donation. That's a big one. Uh, yep. Maybe we should talk about that. Oh, my gosh. I'd love to. Uh, I know that there, there's all kinds of uh, set pieces that get uh, wasted after events, oftentimes carpet, building materials. I mean, we see it all. So that's great. Let's see what kind of companies you have there. Okay, you have um, Habitat for Humanity, Salvation Army, um, Downtown Women's Center, LA Shares. So these are companies that specialize in construction reuse? They're all different. So some of them, and I get them. So here's how I kind of mine for all of these vendors. There's many ways, but I go to those like, you know, there's Keep America Beautiful. Mm -hmm. So Keep America Beautiful has these in every, like not every city, but certain cities you can go to like, or sometimes it's a state, Keep Arizona Beautiful, Keep Phoenix Beautiful. And they have these amazing directories. And so I think some of the ones you're referring to, I saw it on Keep Los Angeles Beautiful and I downloaded the PDF. And then in there, there are all these great resources and sometimes on that website of keep whatever it is beautiful, they'll actually have a PDF for events. Oh, what a great resource. Yeah, similar to the San Francisco resource. So they all have yeah. these different resources. And then on the one for LA, they had a lot of like the, you'll see these missions that are downtown. And so they all take different things. Some of them will take food. Some of them will take clothing. But, um, you know, with events, we never know what we're going to have left over. We might right. have construction materials, wood, you know, we might have um, food, we might have art supplies, paper, things that, you know, were made for the event that we can then um, go to a creative reuse or um, a shelter. 
Yeah, I see Scrap is on here, and that's a creative reuse uh, company, nonprofit. Uh, I see Carpet Recovery. That, that's a, a national organization, it looks like, that you can donate carpet to. I know we see that a lot. Sometimes red carpets, they only use them once. Right? Yeah. Uh, Raft, I've heard, is really good. Wow, art parts. Yeah, there's so many things that uh, can get donated after an event. We see reuse as being uh, oftentimes a very heavy and bulky component of the waste stream that has a high uh, potential reuse value. Definitely. And a lot of these places, you can get a um, a tax donation letter nice. for the value yeah. of what you've donated, which helps offset the cost of maybe the truck of getting it there or pay for that. Um, also I just did one of the muse interviews yesterday with the executive director of materials for the arts in New York city. So she got me really excited about creative reuse and the interview isn't posted yet, but it will be soon. And, and I got so excited by talking to her because she was giving me specific examples of things that were used for events. And then after she was telling me what they got donated and used for. And it was like, you see all these things that these, you know, luxury brands say will fabricate and make, and then they will literally be, some will go to a school for their production of Jungle Book. And some will go, some of these, they were, they were like animals that, that Burberry made out of resin and like nine foot giraffe. I mean, these beautiful, beautiful pieces of props. And even, um, one of their artists and residents, they he bejeweled some of the animals with sequins and put them on the people's bus. And yeah, I see. What's so the that? Um, I googled it. The people's bus. So this was a a bus that they used to use for people who were incarcerated in Rikers Island, and then they repurposed this bus um, to use it for voting registration events. So they oh, called cool. it the people's bus and they would park it and educate people on, on voting rights and all kinds of good things. So, you know, something from a luxury, a prop from a luxury brand, you know, makes it into a school production of Jungle Book. Neat. It yeah, is. I know. Uh, I've never really gotten the insight after we donate some of those big uh, materials of what, where they end up. I remember after Super Bowl 50. There was this giant like five zero that we got to donate and the uh, reuse company was very excited about it. And I was just like, "What? where are you going to be able to sell this? This is ridiculous. This thing is like, you know, 20 feet high. And he said, oh, yeah, this is going to go to someone's 50th birthday party for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, OK, well, you know, have at it. But uh, you mentioned something that I think is worth talking about a little more, and that's your member interviews. Those have been really great. I've, I've noticed some uh, interviews with people I've worked with before, and and they've given really good insight onto their business and, and what you can do for your event that's more sustainable. So uh, maybe you can talk a bit about some of the interviews you've done and, and how that helps promote the, uh, the industry. Yeah, the interviews are connective tissue for me. So it's an opportunity to outreach to someone and say, hey, you know, this is an organization I've started. I would love to interview you. These are, you know, they're just positive um, messagings. Um, you know, we, you know, 
um, it gets the word out there and then I get content. But not only do I get content, I also get the inspiration and the community. So, you know, once we, once I put together an interview, it's my, I get to study as well. So we do it on Zoom. I, it goes, it gets transcribed and then I edit it. And then I'm sitting there and I'm like reading through it and reading through it and kind of editing it into a nice narrative. Um, and so I learned so much by doing it. Like I learned so much about creative re reuse yesterday. Um, and then that kind of culminated that discussion. Um, the, the New York community, which I started a couple years ago before Muse, uh, we want to do an, a volunteer day of event people somewhere in New York. And then this woman mentioned that volunteers come there and I just put it together and I was like, okay, in January, let's do an event industry volunteer day at materials for the arts. And she's, cause she wants to get the word out to more event people. So it's like a triple win for everybody. And then, so we have a follow, we have another meeting tomorrow about that. And I never would have gotten there if I hadn't done that interview with her. So. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So uh, Muse is uh, basically spearheaded by you and there's a, a large group of founding members and there's uh, the vendor directory that you've put together. You do these news articles and interviews that have been really great and industry events like you just mentioned. So that, that's a lot to take on. And it, it's really great to bring together all these different vendors and event people in these ways. So I just want to acknowledge that you're doing great work. Thank you. I, I really love doing this. This is this is what makes me happy. You know, that's why I, I'm doing it. And I've met amazing people like you. Um, right. We know each other now through this community. Indeed. Um, what happened was I started the New York group in 2019. Um, you and I have a mutual friend, Lowell, who is like someone who has been really great. Um, and actually well, you and I met anyway, and then Lowell brought up your name, but I won't go into that. But what, what happened was, um, during the pandemic, I realized that we could do this from coast to coast. We, it didn't have to be just a New York group. So we were, I was, we were going to do our third New York meet, meeting group. And then the pandemic happened and we put it online. And then after that, I kind of tripled down in sustainability and I wanted to do another one. And I was like, why don't I reach out to all these California people? Because they're doing actually a better job <laughs> than, you know, the, 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 the people that I've seen doing the most sustainable work in events are, are kind of California based, not all, but, um, so then I was like, well, we should just be a coast to coast organization. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I used to feel like we were an Island in the green scene, but, uh, then I realized that there were other organizations operating in, in certain sectors around like doing, uh, specifically music festivals around the world or country and world. Um, and then, uh, after learning about what was going on in New York and the work that you put together with connecting all of these organizations together, I'm realizing that, you know, we're not so alone here. Yeah. You know? No, there's the, the green wedding Alliance in Chicago. I love them. Uh, we have a meeting in January. I'm so excited to connect with them. They're, they're so passionate and, you know, you think weddings, but it's also, it's catering companies, venues. So it's really 
really beyond weddings per se. Um, I've made connections with people in Nashville. There's also the Florida group, the um, Sustainable Event Network of Florida and Caribbean, who's a partner of Muse. So they're huge on on food donation. Um, that's yes. one of their main things. Um, there's another company that does solar generators in um, Pittsburgh. So um, Julia Spangler's in Indianapolis. Um, Rock the Green, she's in Minneapolis, or I know she's in Minnesota. So we just, we really are coast to coast. Colorado, right? We've got event sustainability in Colorado. Well, this is so great to have local providers in those areas because, you know, we get asked sometimes to do events, uh, you know, in all corners of the country and we oftentimes turn it down. We're like the environmental impact of flying crews out to, you know, do some recycling in this area that doesn't have the services and everything. It just doesn't seem to make sense a lot of the time. Um, so it's great to have local resources. I know I use a resource called findacomposter.com when I'm looking for a composter. And you just plug in you know, where you're going and it'll tell you if there's any compost facilities nearby. But that's only like a small part of the event greening uh, puzzle, right? You have not only compost diversion, you have food waste do- uh, donations, you have uh, construction waste like we were talking about, uh, mater- like art and reusables donation, uh, reusable service wares, there's uh, on-site power. Uh, what are some other event greening services or, or technologies or, or company types that, that you uh, have in your directory here? Oh, my gosh. Well, you have the directory up. I know yeah, that if so you, you can mention Biodiesel. it. Oh, yeah. Uh, so I haven't interviewed. Yeah, yeah. The, 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 I have an interview with someone tomorrow about the biodiesel. I'm really excited to learn more because that's something that, you know, again, we just, we have to know it. We have to understand what we're talking about when we call the companies that do the generators. We have to say, this is what I want. Can you get me this? <laughs> there's B20, there's B, you know, and I, I, I'm going to like, so I'm hoping that these interviews and you don't have to be a member of Muse to read all those interviews. They're just for everybody. So that's great. Yeah. The biodiesel question is uh, really complicated, right? You know, you can have a mix of regular diesel and biodiesel. You can have biodiesel that's generated from like recovered cooking grease, which I think would be, you know, the most green and optimal one. I used to run my trucks on biodiesel and one time in the Central Valley had to fill up and, you know, it was kind of a weird place. And I had to go inside into this strange office to pay for it. And there, then I was asking him, I was like, oh, is this from recycled grease or what? And they're like, no, no, it's, you know, rendered cattle. It's like, wait, I'm a vegetarian. <laughs> what are you telling me this? I'm, I'm running my truck on, on like rendered cows. That's, that's awful. Wait, sorry. Tell me exactly what a rendered cow is. I'm afraid to ask. Rendering plants are, are pretty gross, but they're actually a big part of the recycling uh, solution. And, uh, you know, just generally, it, it's where all your uh, grease goes, your uh, roadkill, diseased animals, like, you know, animals that die prematurely for whatever reason. And they're basically big uh, facilities where they'll cook up all this stuff and, uh, you know, separate out the different layers of grease and fats and oils. And then, you know, those those things are turned into consumer products, whether it's fuel or 
makeup or uh, other kinds of um, <laughs> you know, products that you might not expect were recycled content. But uh, yeah, that's a thing. And there's actually sometimes a push and pull between composters that want to compost uh, downer animals, which you know can be a, a valuable nutrient for composting. Um, and compost, you know, kills pathogens, so you can actually responsibly manage those kind of things, like diseased animals uh, and whatnot. But they're oftentimes required to send them to rendering plants. Uh, you know, they need minimum inflows of material to operate and. And this and that. So, yeah, it's 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 a complicated uh, industry, and and that's a kind of gross part of it. But you know, it's part of the, the puzzle. Uh, On to greener pastures. Actually, I, I noticed another vendor in your vendor directory that actually is a lot more heartwarming, and this is the Flower Angels. Oh my goodness! Yes, all those. I mean, I look. I've I've input four hundred and fifty. All, all by myself, right? So, and but I do remember all of them pretty much. And I, now you're taking me back to last summer when I was looking up, you know, um, again, just wherever I can find these. And yeah, they they take flowers from events and they bring them to like, um, I used to call them convalescent homes and things like that. You've got right, the description yeah. right the, there. The description is the elderly can often feel lonely and forgotten. The flower angels arrange flowers for delivery to nursing homes and hospices across Cape Cod. Flower Angels USA volunteers recycle gently used flowers from weddings and events and repurpose them into floral bouquets for the elderly and disabled residing in nursing homes and assisted living communities from Bourne to Provincetown. Man, I get a lot of flowers at events, you know, after weddings or, or just uh, parties and, and uh, you know, sometimes they're on table arrangements. We, we do see a lot of flowers and I often bring them home or some of them, but, uh, you know, this is just such a heartwarming program. I, I really like this idea. Oh my God. There's a couple of the flower ones that are, that are equally like that. I remember just like, Oh my God. And then, you know, the people that yeah, do petals it for hope petals Another. for hope. Yeah. Oh my God. And go to the That's websites nationwide. when you have a chance. Oh, oh yeah. God. There's a couple of them and they're just like, run by these really good people who are rescuing your flowers from your wedding or your event and bringing them to hospitals and for older people. And then, you know, then the last, then they can have one more use before they're composted. Oh, wow. Yeah. You have eight of these companies reusing flowers. That's wonderful. Washington, DC, North Carolina, Florida, Washington, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Oh, we have a California one and one in Maine. So Wisteria Lane flowers, uh, I guess they're not taking the reused flowers, but they are an eco flower or floral design uh, company. So I have they, one they in there flowers. also in floral that you can rent. There's one where you can rent flowers. And then there's one, you know, there's one with like fake flowers that you can rent for your wedding. So they're like, okay, well, you've got 25 tables you're going to want an arrangement for each table. So they, they send them out to you and you send them back. And I don't know all the specifics of these, but they're definitely worth looking into for options. That's great. I mean, you can always ask your floral company to take the stuff back. I guess some might be open to it if they could resell them. I mean, events uh, often are only a couple hours, so it's not like the flowers go completely bad, but 
yeah, I really like that idea of uh, donating them to uh, cheer up the elderly and and those that that are in uh, kind of isolated conditions. Uh, that's just really nice. Yeah, I'm gonna have to get on that. Uh, let's see, what else do we got on your directory here? Um, okay, actually, I'm not in the directory now. I'm looking at your members. Okay, so. Um, yeah, we got four, I got four, four members last week. It was pretty amazing. I haven't done a huge push for members. Um, I really wanted to make sure that I have a great, um, you know, that the member benefits are, are worthy of the member. I want to make sure that I'm, you know, really good on the content and that, um, people feel good about it. I mean, they should. Um, anyway, the, the 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 price point is really affordable for everybody. This is not anything that I feel, you know, people can't afford. Um, but uh, I do feel like for people to pay for something, they will feel like it's like it's worth something. Um, right. So- I know I've joined other organizations for event planners that I didn't see value in. Um, I don't think that would be the case here. I totally see the value in this. In fact, I, I was offered a free membership as a founding member and just paid anyway because uh, I want to support this uh, work here. But let's see. I think I was a member of the National Fairs Organization at one point, and they had a national conference and and you know a vendor directory and all this stuff. But it, it was also conventional. There was nothing about greening in there, and I I did post uh, our information in there. Got zero calls. There was. Not a lot of interest from fairgrounds and greening. Uh, of course, this was maybe 10 years ago, so that might have changed. But uh, I, I do find a lot of value in professional organizations. And the network is huge. And uh, we've gotten a lot of business from uh, the networking that we do at other uh, professional organizations. And, and the learning, too, is invaluable. Just knowing what other people are doing and, and kind of raising the bar together, right? I love that you just said that. I totally agree with that. Raising the bar together. And that's so much of about Muse. Um, so there's, you know, catering companies, let's say. And if you look at their websites, you can see what these other catering companies are doing. And you can, then you can take your own catering company. You may not be doing anything sustainable yet, right? Oh, look at this. Look at all these catering companies that are on this vendor directory. Um, you know, lots of them have the, the Dine Green certification which is pretty good. Yeah. I just, you know, these are all things I've, I found on the internet. Um, so it's a, it's really like a restaurant one, but they have a whole group of caterers. So I was just Googling like, you know, and they have to show and then on their websites, I, you know, I look for, I look for legitimacy. Um, you know, we're doing this, 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 and this, and some of them it's like, wow, you know, you're, you're doing so much, you know, and they'll, and, but then even they'll talk about in their own offices, they're, they're doing energy saving things or maybe solar power, their offices, um, all types of things that we can, as you said, raise the bar together, learn from each other, um, see what other people are doing. And as we know, at some point, it just is going to be the norm. So it's good to raise your, your own company's bar now and be... I was talking to someone today 
And he said, at this, at this point, if you bring up sustainability in a meeting, you're, you're, you're a thought leader. So Definitely. everybody Especially wants to be mm-hmm. a plan. Yeah. 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 But like, no one's going to kind of think you're silly anymore. If you bring up sustainability, it's like all of a sudden, oh, wow, we need to listen to you. Um, and so I'm, I do think I'm hopefully will be helping this organization and the community will help people's businesses and w- when they become more sustainable. So we're helping the world and we're helping businesses. And quite frankly, the businesses on this website, right? We're mostly small businesses. Um, it's okay if it's not a small business, but I would say, you know, 90% of the event industry are small to medium-sized businesses. Right. I see a lot of that, but I also see some Live Nation folks as your members. So you got the whole gamut here. And so, you know, I like it. And, you know, looking at some of these uh, uh, profiles that you've done on folks, uh, I see other event greeners. I see, uh, you know, people that have been doing uh, reusable cups. And that's something that I'm also engaged in and and actually struggling with right now. Um, I think, you know, bringing up that sustainability conversation and moving beyond uh, recycling and composting into reuse is is a really important conversation to have now. I, I just, I don't agree that people are uh, completely ready for that in the face of COVID. You know, there's still this, uh, you know, germaphobe kind of mentality going around. So I could see that being a challenge for a number of your members and, and event planners that want to go all the way and, and really go zero waste. It's interesting because um, the, the person who has the reusable cup company, he's based in New York, and he has actually told me that his business is doing better than it's ever been in the last few months. So oh, great. I was really great to happy hear. to hear that. And he even went down and did some stuff in, um, in Miami, in Florida. So there's not as many reusable cup companies as one would think. No, I've noticed that there's a couple missing from your list too. So, Ooh. you know. Well, yeah, send me those, please. See, that's the other thing is if it's like anyone ha- has other ones that I don't have, please, please let me know. But because um, I don't want to miss anybody. But also if you if there's something on there and you're like, um, I really I did a search the other day and I don't have sustainable caterers in Florida. And I was like, that's that's a hole. So if, if, that, if ever there's a member who's searching for something, they can't find it. I do want them to tell me I'll do my best to find it for them because it means that's, that's where a hole is um, in, the, in the supplier database. Well, I don't want to name names too, but I also noticed that you, you are doing some vetting here. And some of the other reusable cup programs I've seen are, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, just greenwashing. And they're providing a reusable cup, but they're uh, manufactured for the event. They're uh, being shipped all over the place, arriving in single-use plastic sleeves, and then being mailed dirty to the Midwest or something to get washed, maybe. Uh, I know the you one know. You're, you're referring to. I'm not going <laughs> to say the name. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, there's I, a lot I, of that I, in I, the I, industry, not just in cups. You know, there's greenwashing everywhere, right? Yeah. And you bring up a really good point about vetting. It's like, okay, 
what's a sustainable company and what's one that's just greenwashing, right? I'm doing my best to, to, to make that determination in a fair way. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I, I have medium, a medium bar, I would say. I want to make it fair because I want to, um, I think people should be applauded for what they're doing and that, you know, you don't need to be ISO 2012-1, your company to be in the vendor database. That's, that's too high of a bar. You know, I want it to, we, we want to just encourage people to, to start and keep going. Right. So, you know, and I, I think that I'm just going with my gut on these. Oh, I totally agree. And, and you got to start somewhere, right? Uh, starting small, growing organically, building on success, trial and error. These are all really important uh, aspects to this, you know, zero waste journey and, and getting there. Because if you don't try new things and, and kind of uh, put yourself out there, you never know what would happen, right? Like if we didn't start approaching events early on and saying, oh, you know, we've noticed in your trash, there's all this recycling and compost and, and maybe let us do a, a study and tell you exactly how much you're spending on all of this unnecessary waste. Um, then we would, would never be here today. So, you know, I agree, but I also see that um, there is a need to uh, do a little bit of gatekeeping, right? So that you don't have people coming in greenwashing and saying, oh, yeah, just use our, uh, our you know, cow-based biodiesel or, or like, you know, single-use uh, reusable cups. A thousand percent, of course. Yeah. No, it has to be legit. Up. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the ISO 2021 standard, right? Uh, that that is something that I have looked into and have been thoroughly uh, intrigued, but do not have the bandwidth to to uh, get in there. So that is a a standard for large events that uh, companies can follow to kind of uh, assess their performance and practices in in their event uh, production. But it goes well beyond uh, diverting waste, right? This is a full on systems based approach uh, that you know, talks about your staffing and, and internal protocols. This is more for events like the Olympics, right? Yes, I would agree with that. There's some, there's some that aren't that big, but it's, um, it's a whole, it's a long process and probably expensive. Yeah. It was very daunting to, to me. <laughs> and I could see most event uh, companies that we work with not having that kind of bandwidth. Um, although, you know, there are those events that could really benefit from something like that and need that level of, um, accountability and, um, and, and like concrete plans and, and third party verification before they can, uh, you know, make the claims that they're, they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Well, that's the, that's the, um, challenge with events. So in a building you get lead certification and that's great. But what's an event? It's a, it's a, maybe it's an annual or it's a one, one off. Right. And so the problem with these certifications for events is that you don't get it till after the event. And so you can't use it on your marketing material. Um, because you're going to get, they will come to the event, most of them, and they'll make sure that you are doing what you said you were doing. Um, and so then it's like, well, why should we do all this expense and work, you know, to then get this certification after the event? 
Yeah, and a lot of those that I've uh, had experience with, I've been thoroughly unimpressed with because you know they've given awards to very unsustainable events, and uh, you know these events will claim, "Oh, we're the greenest festival," according to this you know third party certifier. And you know I know firsthand people that work there, and they're like, "We can't divert." very much at all of this waste stream because it, we're understaffed and underpaid and and whatnot and and then you know working with them at some events myself i'm also not naming names here but um you know one of these certifiers uh they basically sent out a form to fill out and then they had a guy come in and verify but you know all he did was was a uh, party the whole time and and you know <sighs> going to distract our crew most of the time. I was like, okay, I, I don't know about this certification program. And it, and it seemed like kind of a, a pay for um, recognition kind of thing more that, than like a legit. It sounds like a Christopher program. Guest movie kind of like, you know, whereas like the guy who comes to this certification just gets drunk and uh, is like, you got it, you know, maybe. <laughs> right. Yeah. The check cleared, you know. <laughs> I know. He gets there's some free drugs, you know, it's like, yep, certified. That was the best event of my life. I had a blast. Yeah, exactly. You know, I, that was definitely the vibe that I got. Oh my God. So, uh, but I feel like third-party certification is a valuable thing. It's just, it's so hard to compare apples to oranges in, in the event world, right? Because uh, so many events have like a food focus where there's a huge potential for food donation and composting where other events that that might not be as emphasized and um, there's even less waste overall or per capita but you know that's just the character of the event right Um, I would like to see more of the breakdown of like okay what was your per capita waste generation how did it compare to previous years are you improving Uh, what was your diversion rate is a great metric that we like to include but also not always possible to get those numbers if you're not getting uh way tags from your haulers or you know stuff's getting donated or or whatnot so it can be challenging to get all these metrics together we've kind of moved away from relying on waste haulers giving us accurate reports and now we've uh, moved to more of a volume-based diversion tracking system uh, which you know is also difficult to compare to previous events where we were doing it weight-based so one thing that we're working on, and this might be a good thing to involve Muse on, is taking these kind of numbers where uh, we we do have the weight of a say a compost bin or dumpster and a, or a recycling dumpster, and then we also have the volume and a couple characteristics of the event. Like you know, this is a food event uh, with like you know outdoor food vendors and single use uh, compostables. Uh, this is the volume of compost generated. And this is the weight. And then we can start to have these conversion factors for events and event materials. So we would you know, better be able to compare uh, based on like, you know, volume estimates of, of how well we're doing. And then another thing that our company is working on, uh, well, both of our companies in partnership with CalRecycle and uh, hopefully roping in some other uh, government experts is uh, coming up with conversion factors to quantify the number of single-use disposables in a waste stream, right? Uh, whether it's compost or trash, knowing like how many paper plates uh, take up a said volume of um, uh, of a waste bin, you know. 
And we have some preliminary data that we've started collecting, but as we move toward reuse at events, um, we want to be able to calculate the waste avoidance, right? So, you know, say we used to get a 90% diversion rate, we switched to reusables. Now there's less uh, single use disposables in the waste stream and therefore less compost. So now our diversion rate's going down. But, you know, that that's a good thing, right? Because in the move to zero waste, you want to recycle more and then recycle less as you eliminate these single use items. So uh, having some some idea of the waste avoidance potential from reuse and um, you know other kinds of programs would go a long way. And, and then we can use other uh, established conversion factors like the warm model to calculate greenhouse gas reductions, which uh. a lot of people are interested in. I feel like it's like you've got to do what you do and then you have to write a narrative as to like, it's like interpreting this data, right? So you say there's right. data and I think people like me, I'm I'm not a data person and I, I know you are, right? Much more. I mean, I know you are. And and I, but I think like I'm a narrative person. So I want to know about, that's why I think I do these interviews is because, okay, what's the story here? So you can interpret that data and let me know how good we did. You know, and just the data alone, like you said, it's apples to oranges and you change something one year, it's a different kind of event. So it's kind of like, okay, based on this data, here's our narrative. And it's like, that would be the two parts that would help me um, understand the data is just understanding, you know, why, what those numbers mean. Um Right. Well, we used to do more lengthy reporting after events and we would write a narrative and, and talk about this stuff. Never got any comments or, or feedback at all. I don't, I don't think people read them. They're like, oh, the event's over, you know, like, you know, whatever. Uh, Wait, maybe I, they would look at it again, like before the event the next year, but it, it was never mentioned. So now we just, you know, include the basics, you know, facts and figures and some photos and people love it. You know what? You're so right. You're so right. You give people too much information. They're like, I don't want to read all this. The, the event's over. Yeah, it's the weekend. Now I have another event. I'm just going to thank you. Um, you're so right as well. I guess it's one paragraph, <laughs> two paragraphs. Um, you know, no, you make such a good point. And it's like, it's also funny because even like the vendor database, I think most people haven't really looked at it and it may be overwhelming to them. You know, and then maybe it's, it's, if I show people, they're like, oh, cool, you know, but if too much information is gonna be a hard for people as well. Um, Completely. Yeah. And it's almost like when you wrote those things, it's on some level, you might have been writing it for you, right? So you could understand like the data, like you had to work through all that in your brain so you could improve next time. Uh, you know, I'm sure that the, 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 the report was a real good learning experience for you because it's your company. So you know now where the, where the most successes were, where more of the, the failures were, how you could improve. Maybe, maybe there was a, a you know, a, a big value to that. It may not have been as much for someone to read it but it may have been, okay, next year or next time, let's do this. I learned from writing that whole report. Yeah, I've had events contact me that we've worked before. And then there's like a whole new event production team. And they, you know, they want to get a bid for the event. And I say, oh, yeah, well, here's what we did last time. And they're like, oh, 
wow, this is this is all kinds of information. We didn't even get any of this from our other vendor or supplier. And and I've noticed that, you know, working with uh, events that used to work with a, another company that, that was an event greener or uh, did a similar service. And, and the kind of information that they would provide post-event was sorely lacking, in my opinion. You know, they'd say, oh, yeah, we brought out eight carts and, uh, you know, charged you 2000 bucks. I'm like, wow, you know, I, I was like, all right, this is, you know, the diversion rate of the different streams. These are the suppliers that we worked with. You know, the, this was the hauler. This was, um, uh, you know, the final destination of the compost. And I would include all of these details. Yes, for us and our sake for future events. And when I mean, we get asked to come back, I have all that information ready to go. But I, I would find it, I, I would think it would be useful for the event planner to know these things. Oftentimes, it's just not a priority. Well, you know, okay, I'll, I'll give you an analogy, which, because I think, again, you know, those things are so good for you. Like the next year, you're asked to do this event again, and you're not going to remember off the top of your head, right? You're going to read your own report and be like, oh, okay. And it's kind of like maybe an analogy is, okay, I'm, I'm a producer for the event, and I hire the AV company. I hire, okay, I really don't know about, uh, um, you know, like electrical loads. Like I don't need to, I need my vendor to know about those things. I need, I need this AV to run perfectly, but maybe I'm not going to read, you know, understand all the information, but they better. So maybe, you know, like said, you're coming in as that vendor, the expert. And, um, but maybe they, you could, maybe at some point they just want some bullet points, right. So that they can put them on a website or give them to their client or say, Oh, okay. And so there's different levels of these reports because um, I'm not going to want to know all the specifications of the plasma screens. I just want to know 54 inches. Great. <laughs> it looks good. Right. You know, I could see them just being like, oh, great. We got this diversion. This checked out. We, you know, oh, my God. And you did such a good job. Right. And I can see that then the reason why they they may or may not you know, like certain people like us are, are totally, we love it. We're nerds about um, sustainability and all that stuff, you know, and then not everyone gets so excited as we do about compost and well, even actually, the flower. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. It, it um, I, I could see where, you know, a lot of event producers would fall into that uh, category there, but uh, I was reading your interview with actually a friend of mine, Traverse Hall from Soul Solutions. And he talked a lot about that and saying that you need to know what kind of consumption you're using and and have that power plan from your AV company. And and a lot of times they might be just uh, using way too much power or oversizing systems that are, are just way too much for the event. And you end up paying more for it as an event producer. And then you're more limited on your sustainable power options because they're they're not using the most efficient or right size solution for the, uh, for the event. Yeah. And, and makes his job harder when the event producer has no idea what the, you know, requirements are for their stage or uh, food vendors or anything. Well, that's a really good point. And that's interesting because on some level it's like, think about, you know, food costs. It's like, well, maybe I should know about the cost of strawberries and all these things because I know you're charging me too much for my, uh, you know, strawberry shortcake. But I mean, I, I think that he, you know, he is so 
traverse and and he's so on he's so good and he's so honest and i think that their company soul solutions talking with chaz and traverse they're such good people you know and and they care and they're just like it's so it's so rare to get these vendors that are just like oh my god they want to save you money they want to say you know they want to they want to do these things and it's like that's when you know you have the best vendor is like bringing these points up to you like hey let's can we talk about you know you you may not want to think about it as the producer right but can I tell you why that's important and and we can maybe save you money and really talk to these you know and and I think that that's this like amazing vendor then who's going to help educate you and to really you know, yeah, help you save money and make your event better. Right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I totally agree. It's just uh, the job of the event producer to really, you know, sometimes put those vendors together and force them to work together, right? Because oftentimes we'll ask, oh, give us the information for the caterer so we can check in with them and make sure that they're using the right compostable products and things like that. And they don't want to give up their their um, vendor list to us. And, and they're like, oh, no, sorry, that's that's uh, proprietary info or something like that. So I have to resort to saying, all right, well, it's up to you to enforce this. And I'm going to put a upstream guarantee charge so that, uh, you know, if we do end up with some non-compostable stuff that we have to sort out of the, the compost or something, then you're going to pay for it. So, you know, and most of the time, they just end up paying for it. They don't actually go ahead and do that because, you know, I don't know what and why it's just too much. Whoa. Yeah. No, you just said a whole bunch of important things there that we can unpack because I mean, so much of that is just playing well in the sandbox. Right. And, um, there's reasons why vendors may not want to, that we just talked about. Right. Um, we don't want to let you know where we buy these things because, you know, then it's like giving too much information. Maybe the client's going to find out that, da, 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 da. so I get it. But then I get from your perspective, it's like, yeah, but we need to know this so we can properly know how to dispose of it. You know, I don't think people understand how complicated all of these different compostable in quotes, um, single use items are the ASTM. There is a new Surfrider PDF. I got, I'm on their mailing list and I got the, I looked at it yesterday and it was like, this is so good. And you know, there's, there's a, it's very complicated. And, and like, to your point, you, your company needs to know this and, and maybe a, um, a solar generator company does need to know power loads and maybe people don't want to give this information out, which then affects you. Yeah. Oh yeah. We're always complaining about it. Traverse and I are like, Oh my gosh, they asked for, you know, every food vendor wants 30 amps and they, they just run a blender or, or like a toaster or something. And everything is, you know, they don't need that much power, but the event is just like, okay, whatever you need. And then he's asked to like bring in all these huge generators when they could have totally ran the food court on a, on a solar generator. And then I'm in the same boat of like, Oh, they have, 50 different food vendors at this event. And, uh, you know, sometimes the event coordinator will buy all the compostables and then everything's perfect and we don't have to do all this crazy sorting, but just one vendor bringing in a non-compliant product will, you know, be enough contamination where we have to like manually sort through all of this compost. And it's just like, why do you make our lives so difficult? You know, why can't we just, you know, 
have a have a, a good plan in advance and communicate and that's and, uh, collaborate on this. Yeah, I mean, you bring up the whole communication thing. I've heard countless stories from people that where they had it all planned out and all planned out, and at the very last minute, maybe that last minute vendor that they signed on, they didn't get the memo, and they brought in the plastic, and they and it was like you've done all this work, and everyone had the best intention sometimes, but then it still got waylaid in that last twenty four hours. Um, yeah, that must be extremely frustrating. Well, events are dynamic and, and, you know, there's always some adjustment that happens. And so that's why you bring on professionals that can deal with that. You know, that I've had to bring like a little stock of compostable products to some of the bigger events just to have on hand for that one vendor that didn't get the memo in time or read their letter, which is uh, <laughs> often too many of them. So many of these event producers and, and food vendors in particular will just you know, they're doing an event every weekend and, and maybe some in between and they get, you know, a packet for each event. They don't read it. They're just like, when do I show up? Where? All right. I know what I'm doing. I, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. And, 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 and yeah, it's not to the fault of anyone, right? We're all just trying to get through the busy event season, you know, don't have time to read packets, right? Yeah. It's an infomania issue once again. Good. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) There's only so much we can read. How many times have you signed contracts and you haven't, haven't read those? Oh, I'm I'm a stickler about reading contracts in particular (laughs) terms of service. I'm also pretty good about reading, but that's just overwhelming. You know, it's like, I just want to play this game. I don't want to read, you know, 40 pages of TOS. So I ran a venue for uh, five years and we had like a six page contract and, um, it was always funny to me because I would always send it out and just kind of cross my fingers. And there were certain companies that just signed it. They didn't read one thing. And then there was others that their lawyer redlined, you know, all eight pages. And I was oh, like, boy. it was yeah. just like, or it could be right in the middle there. But it was always, I loved the ones that didn't read the contract. Well, you always hear those stories about uh, musical acts that put in their contracts. Like, oh, there has to be a bowl of only yellow M&Ms in the green room or something like that. And that's really just there to make sure that they read all the contract and, and uh, you know, hey, hey you're we're, in violation we, of the contract, you know, pay up. <laughs> we all grew up thinking that the Van Halen were just such divas for the brown M&Ms. And right, you know much. what? Sid Mandelbaum who runs Rock and Wrap It Up. Do you know Sid Mandelbaum? I don't. Sid is like, someone told me about him and I reached out to him and I haven't, he was like my first interview. So it's down at the bottom there. And he confirmed with me, he's been doing this for 30 years. And he, and he, and he first did it, his first um, food that he was able to get donations for was the Rolling Stones in, um, in New York. And he told me, he said, Michelle, the whole story with the brown M&Ms, that was just because Van Halen wanted to make sure that people were reading the contracts. And I was right. like, ah, I wish my eight-year-old self knew that. <laughs> well, I love it. Uh, you know, we're running out of time yeah. here. We did hit our limit, but uh, always a pleasure to talk to you and, and so much good content here um, with you and with Muse. Uh, I definitely encourage our listeners to check it out at museusa.org. Uh, thanks again, Michelle. Thank thanks you so much. That was a pleasure.
All right. Well, keep it green.